Hi guys, this is Oliver Cookson and welcome to the fourth episode of Bootstrap Your Life. So for those that have listened to the first few episodes, you'll know I answer a question a week and try and expand on that question, trying to give it some context and spin off into relevant areas near it. So I'm going to be doing the same again this week. First of all, I'd like to just say my website is now live, so you can check it out at olivercookson.com. And that is the best place to leave a question. So I've had quite a few people contact me to find out what the best method is. You can tweet at Oliver Cookson, or I think the best and easiest way is to send me a question on the contact form on the podcast page on my new website, which is olivercookson.com. I would just like to say a huge thanks to Jinan for leaving my first review on Apple Podcasts. So I'd really appreciate if anyone's found the first few podcasts useful then please do leave me a review as it would be great for other people to to hopefully get benefit from it as well so to the question which is from mario so thanks mario for submitting it and it is a question which is asked a lot as it's one of the building blocks of putting a startup together so the question is twofold the first part is what are the key things an investor wants to see in an early startup And also a follow on to that is, do you think investors funding at the seed stage, whether it's pre or post MVP, improves a startup's chances of success? An MVP is, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is a minimum viable product, which is something that is born out of the lean startup methodology, which you can Google online, which is a great principle, a methodology actually for anyone looking to, to start up without exerting too much cash or effort. So I highly recommend you have a look at that online. It's it's well documented. So in terms of what investors look for, I, I think it's best that I only answer it as from myself because I can't answer for other investors. However, what I look for is pretty typical for most investors. I've sat with lots of different types of investors and worked with lots of different types of investors, angel investors, VCs, private equity. So the key things I'd look for in no particular order, I guess the first one would be a USP, a strong, strong USP or IP. You know, you need to have, as I said in the previous podcast, you need to have that clear idea which is going to sit you outside of the competition and make you make you noticed, really. Of course, behind that idea, it's very important to have a, a business plan or a revenue model or something to show how you're going to execute that idea and give it some due diligence within the market. So what's the competitor's in the market currently, how you're going to market the business, how much is it going to cost, um, all of the relevant financial information. So that's the cornerstone really of the pitch or the deck. So on that actually, I would much prefer to get a deck than a long, chunky investment pitch. I think if I get those put across my desk, I, I don't have really time to sit down for half an hour to read so for that reason, I much prefer to get a deck, which is effectively just a real lightweight document, which really just highlights the key questions which an investor looks for. And if an investor is interested in the initial concepts and the, the numbers, then you can always deep dive into the relevant sections and go deeper. But you should certainly use a lightweight approach in the first instance, get an investor on the hook, so to speak, and then you can go into the more detail later on. So with that in mind, for me, it's very important just to get the key messages across quickly. Don't labour the points. Just be quite 
direct or very direct. Uh, maybe that's just me, but I patience isn't one of my greatest traits, and I like to just get things done. Um, so I can quickly cut through all of the all of the fluff, if you like, and just get straight to the pertinent points, and they're the things that are going to make or break it. Um, all the fluff and all of the all the bravado, if you like, is 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 something that would turn me off personally. So when I'm writing a business document, um, typically like a cost benefit analysis or a, a lightweight business plan, I always start with the three questions, why, how, and when. So if I relate that to the deck, so why is this business you're pitching a good business? Why is it going to solve a problem or why is it going to create a demand in the market? How are you going to do that? So what are the what are the key steps you're going to take to take that idea and execute it um, across the board? So marketing, what other cool ideas have you got around how to launch the business? So when, in terms of an investor, they want to get a return. So we need to know when we're going to get the return and how much it's going to be or what you predict it's going to be. And then also give some credibility to the numbers that you forecast. A forecast is a forecast, but they need to be credible and have some logic how you got to those numbers. That would be the starting point really with the document or the deck. So for me, another key one is the founder or the founding team needs to be super impressive. They'll effectively make or break the best idea. If you've got a brilliant idea and a poor founder or a poor founding team, it's not something I'd personally invest in as I believe the, the chances of success are diminished quite dramatically. Something which is really aligned with the previous point is passion. So I'm a massive believer in, in passion. It's not something you can teach. So you can teach many skills in business, but passion isn't one. So if I don't feel that passion in the first outing when, when someone's in sales mode effectively, then that would be a red flag for me. Finally, and I know not all pitches, especially seed, it's possible to do this, but Personally, on my investment criteria, I like to see some sort of traction. So whether that might be traction in revenue or it could be user sign up or hits to the website, just something to show that there's some sort of green shoots there. and The idea is, is viable. So again, this, this comes back to the minimum viable product, which the Lee methodology refers to. So the in a very short, the, the MVP is creating a very basic, super basic version of the model of the business and just trying it out on a, on a small customer base and seeing if it has some uptake. I highly recommend you do that even if you are not launching a website. Try and just test it first. If you can present that to an investor and show in the, in the test case this works and it had those green shoots then that is a huge plus, a huge tick in the box. So on to the second part of the question which was do I believe getting funding at a seed stage will improve the chances of the startup success? In short, I'm not so sure. I think there's so many variables in a startup that I don't think it turns on if someone gets seed funding or investment at an early stage. For example, obviously with my protein, as I've said, I didn't get any investment and that was a great success. So I think having a chunk of cash in the wrong hands can be devastating for a startup as well. So I don't think it does come down to that. However, obviously, if you've got a great idea and a great person to execute it or a great team to execute it, then then it makes sense to think that having funding at the start will be beneficial and enable you to get to the point of critical mass quicker than you could without the funding. So again, on funding, really, I would just strongly advise anyone to try and 
try and not take funding at that early stage if you can help it at all because you're obviously diluting your equity giving your equity away very cheaply you're losing control in most situations with the provisions that investors will want and it becomes it becomes more of a hardened battle later on if you like if you get in bed with the wrong investor and your goals and your aspirations in terms of exiting and key decisions in the business just become a lot more complicated. However, I do appreciate that not every situation can be bootstrapped or done on a limited budget. So just just um, just be careful on that point. So putting the question across my experience and why did I bootstrap my protein and why did I not take investment? If we're completely and brutally honest, I didn't know of any other options in 2004 or 2003 when I when I started the idea. Um, so I, all I knew of was a bank loan, which I tried to get and they didn't give me one. I didn't ask for much. I think it was five or 10,000 from memory. However, I did then get an overdraft, um, which was extended to 500 pounds. They were the only forms of investment I really knew about. I was obviously very wet behind the ears and... So I did the bootstrapping routes by default, I guess. However, the tech startup investment seed funding stage has massively changed from 2004 or 2003 to 2020, where we are today. Obviously, it's developed hugely. I've never really thought what would I have done if I would have got a chunky seed investment stage with my protein. I guess it's a hypothetical question. And if I'm completely honest, I wouldn't want to change anything about those early years even if it would have had a better outcome. There was such a great learning experience for me. And yes, it did put me through the mill, but I I think it improved me as a person, certainly in business. However, if I look to do a new startup now, 2020, which by the way, I have no interest in doing at this stage, then I would certainly overlay my learns of the MyProtein startup into a lean startup for 2020. It's a hypothetical question as... Bootstrapping isn't something I'd need to do now. And maybe that is the answer. It was from need and not my blue sky plan. It was all anew, so it was my complete driver. And again, I think there is obviously lots of positives around taking investment. However, as I discussed in a previous podcast, if you feel you've got weaknesses in some areas, then taking that investor at that early stage could be a great move for you. But if you are going to take an investor, make sure they add value to the business and they're not just dumb money, as I say. So maybe they've got grey hair and earned their stripes in a sector that you're moving into where they can really add relevant experience and benefits, not just the money, it needs to be a value add as well. So for example, they may have the experience of the sector, some strategic value add such as their contact list, or maybe they can open doors at retailers or similar. I'm not sure there's lots of different value adds that a strategic investor can bring. So yeah, but I would certainly try and aim to get one of those skill sets. And maybe it could just be a confidant as well. So I I remember back in the back in the day of when I started my protein, I wish I would have had someone to bounce the ideas off. Maybe it's just using someone as a sounding board as well when you're when you've got an idea and you're not sure how best to handle it. They've all have experienced and been through the mill so that you can learn from that. I can absolutely see loads of value in doing that when I look back in certain phases of my protein and I feel that it could have added value for sure. However, I've shown it's not an essential thing, but I do believe it could be a benefit in certain situations for sure. Finally, a really important point is don't just jump in bed with investors. 
take your time. You don't have the rush. You don't need to rush or you shouldn't rush. Do your due diligence. Make sure there's a real good fit between you guys and your goals and aspirations are completely aligned. As I say, take your time as trust me, it'll be a lot harder and a lot more painful to unwind this relationship down the path. So this is the end of episode four. I hope there was some use in there for you, Mario, and anyone else that's listening. And yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Please do subscribe if you found this of benefit so you don't miss any future episodes, which are released every Wednesday. Also, if you found useful, please do leave me a review. It'd be greatly appreciated. And I'll give you a I'll give you a mention in the future episodes. And finally, if you do have any questions yourself, feel free to post me a message on olivercookson.com on the podcast subsection. There's a form on there where you can just quickly answer the question and it'll make its way to me. So enjoy the rest of the week, guys, and I look forward to speaking to you same time next week. Bye.